We're here. I'm still getting used to the video aspect of the podcast, but we are here today for another solo episode. I'm really enjoying just kind of like leaning into um, speaking into the void about certain topics. And I've said this before about my um, solo episodes, but some episodes just don't need a guest, you know, and I think this is specifically one of them. In other episodes, maybe, you know, they could have benefited from another voice or another brain. But I think today we are talking about sex 101. I was recently talking to a couple friends and like online friends and like regular listeners of the podcast about what is an episode that I might be missing or something that I think people could benefit from. And a friend was saying that, you know, all of our friends know that I'm a sex educator, but it's sometimes hard to come to people and ask questions, especially questions that maybe make you feel a little silly or dumb, which is, you know, there's no silly or dumb questions and it's okay to ask anything, even something that maybe is a little bit embarrassing or maybe that, you know, is something you think you should have learned earlier, whatever the case is. It was suggested that I do a sex 101 episode to kind of just talk through things that maybe some people don't know. Once in a while, I'll say something on the show and there's this funny juxtaposition of, I'll get a really, let's use the word simple question, um, kind of like sort of sex ed 101. And it feels really helpful. But on the other hand, I get a lot of people who are like, this is stupid that you answered this. Everybody already knows this, blah, blah, blah. And it really just made me realize how much shame the person asking that question or maybe the person who wants to ask a question like that might feel, um, you know, to see comments like that and think, oh, I'm not going to ask a question now because I should already know this and that's embarrassing. At the end of the day, you know, we're all at different levels depending on factors in our life and our history with sex education. And that's totally okay. It's totally okay to not know these things um, as long as you have a curiosity. And even if you don't have a curiosity, maybe you didn't care at all and then now you're in a relationship for the first time and maybe now you're coming into like a sexual awakening or maybe the podcast kind of just piqued your interest and you want to know things. Um, it's totally okay to kind of be at base level one. And, you know, if you are a sex expert, if you are a sex god, maybe this episode is not for you. That's okay. Uh, you can skip it. Um, but if you've ever felt like maybe you need a refresh or a little bit of sex ed 101 or you're just curious as to what I'm going to say in case you think you know everything, but, you know, you want to know if there's something you missed, then maybe the episode's for you. And uh, let's jump into it. So the first thing I want to talk about which I have talked about on the show, uh, but I just want to touch on it because it wouldn't be a sex ed 101 episode without safe sex and the conversation about safe sex. It's not the sexiest thing about sex ed. It's not the sexiest thing about this podcast, but it is so important. And in fact, I will go as far as saying safe sex is sexy. It is sexy knowing that you are completely uh safe and protected and that you aren't going to have any negative consequences of sex. And the only way to have that is with safe sex and with knowledge around safe sex. Um, a big question I get really often or I get questions that are kind of, you know, similar in nature is having the conversation around safe sex, whether you're new to sex or you're new to communicating about sex and you want to make sure that you're, you know, 
safe and that your partners are getting tested and that they're safe. And I think there is a huge stigma that having that conversation is a bummer. It's not fun. It's a mood killer. It's not sexy. You know what's not fun? You know what's not sexy? You know what's not a mood killer? Getting an STI. Not fun at all. And uh, while we do not stigmatize or shame people who have STIs, they will tell you themselves that it is not fun and um, it is an added stress in their life. And it is okay to have those conversations beforehand um, to want to you know, protect yourself and also to want to protect your partners. I think having that conversation early on in a relationship is really, really important. And it's also just a really, really good indicator of communication styles and of you know gauging how somebody reacts to a safe sex conversation says a lot about a person it is a huge red flag if somebody shuts it down immediately doesn't want to talk about it has never been tested doesn't care to be tested those are big you know sirens those are big red flags those are big things that should go off in your head if somebody is reacting negatively to you wanting to have you know an open accepting loving communication around safe sex and they're weird about it, it says a lot. I also think a lot of times people get in their head about having conversations about safe sex and then they end up putting it off until you're in the heat of the moment. I've been in that situation when I was, you know, a little bit younger and not as good as having those conversations where I was always having them, but I'd put it off, I'd put it off, I'd put it off. And then it would be like right before we were about to have sex. And I'd be like, um, so uh, have you actually, have you been tested? I, I recently got tested and it was like, it makes things kind of weird because they have to have that conversation and maybe the person leans back and now you're both naked and you're having this conversation and the conversation just can't be as comfortable and as open and a lot of times you're horny and sometimes, you know, stuff happens and you glaze over it or you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, it's never worth it to wait until the heat of the moment to have that conversation. Even protection, to be honest. I find that having a conversation about the kind of protection you're going to use when you have sex is really important and also kind of like is one less thing you have to worry about because you have a lot going through your head the first time you have sex with someone. You know, it's it's a couple less things you have to worry about if you've gotten the safe sex conversation out of the way, um, whether that's condom use or if you're on birth control or when the last time you got tested was or if you have an STI or whatever the case. Uh, I know it's not easy, but it's definitely the, honestly, the sexier route. I also find and often give advice to people with penises, uh, bringing up a condom at the beginning of the heat of the moment. So for example, if you don't get to have that conversation early on, maybe it's a one night stand or maybe things move fast, whatever. Um, you know, in the beginning of that moment where you're on the bed and you're making out or you're on the couch and you're like, okay, there is a possibility that things might go further than kissing, uh, bringing a condom out. Or even just stopping and saying, I'm going to grab a condom really quick just to have it here. No pressure. I'm not in a rush. I just want to make sure that that's okay with you. Saying something like that kind of not only does it let your partner know that you care about their safety and that you care about safety, but it also kind of gets the awkwardness out of the way and brings up this conversation of if they're even ready to have sex. You know, there have been times when I'm making out with someone and it's really hot and heavy and they pull out a condom and I'm like, oh, I actually, you know, I'm fine to hook up, but I'm, I probably don't want to have sex. And it kind of gets that out of the way. It's not something to worry about later. So pulling out a condom, letting people know, hey, I want to have safe sex. This is the way that I do it. I use condoms um, early on kind of opens up the conversation for if they even want to have sex. Uh, are they on birth control? Are they allergic to latex? Whatever the case is. Um, so that's a kind of a good way to have that conversation a little bit early on if you don't want to have it like over dinner that night. Also, I can't believe that I'm still even having to have this conversation in 2023. But if you 
are hooking up with someone and they are weird about using a condom or sketchy or don't want to talk about the last time they got tested or haven't been tested or are trying to convince you that condoms make it feel different. It's not going to be as fun. I promise I'll pull out. If we are still having this conversation in our 20s, in our 30s, in 2023, there's something fundamentally wrong with that person. They're weird. They're sketchy. Get the fuck out of there. I'm sorry. It's the truth. If somebody is trying to push your boundaries and does not want to have safe sex because of this idea that it's not going to feel as good or whatever, or maybe they don't have one on them and they really want to have sex that night, that's a huge, huge, huge indicator of emotional immaturity. Get out. That's my advice. And then lastly, but you know, one of the most important aspects of safe sex is consensual sex is safe sex. There is nothing weird. There is nothing unsexy about openly and directly making sure that this is something that everybody wants and everybody is super comfortable with. I've talked about this on the show as well. I've talked about this with many of my beautiful, amazing, smart, sexual, sensual girlfriends, both single and taken. And we all agree that there is nothing mood killing or weird about the moment you're about to have sex with someone and the guy saying is this okay are you comfortable with this it's sexy consent is sexy i don't mean to sound like a high school sex educator but consent is sexy you know it's frustrating that we kind of continue to have to have these conversations but we do safe sex is sexy communicating is sexy consent is sexy baby Uh, Another thing I want to talk about that's big is what sex is. I think a lot of times people, you know, sex that is very, very heteronormative. And I think a lot of times that puts this idea in people's heads that sex equals penetration. And while that's true in a lot of cases, it's not always necessarily the case. And it's not always the indicator that you are having great sex. Great sex can be foreplay only. Great sex can be so many different things. Um, It can be oral sex. It can be anal sex. It can be fingering. It can be touching, phone sex, masturbation, using toys. The world is your oyster and it is not confined to penetration. It's also not the only option. Um, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't like penetration, it hurts, or I can't come that way, so I guess I'm not good at sex, or I guess sex is off the table. Um, There are so many ways to experience pleasure, and I think it's really important to kind of drive that point home, especially when sometimes maybe one of your libidos is higher than the other. There are going to be times, especially in relationships, where one of your libidos is higher, one of your libidos is lower. Um, You know, things like mutual masturbation can be a fun, sort of less intense way to still experience pleasure and keep that sensuality aspect alive even during those moments. Um, Speaking of, libido is the desire to have sex, in case anybody was a little bit unfamiliar with that word. Uh, And it's going to fluctuate throughout your life, and that's totally okay. Uh, Stress age, diet, exercise, certain medications, birth control, antidepressants, they can all affect your libido and it's totally, totally normal. Another word I've been using is orgasm. Again, most people know, but let's go over it. An orgasm is the peak of sexual desire. 
And orgasms are like snowflakes. They look different for everyone. So for people with penises, oftentimes it's ejaculation, but not always. You can have an orgasm and not ejaculate. On the other hand, for people with vaginas, it's usually more of like um, rhythmic contractions. Um, But honestly, orgasms look and feel different for everyone. And sometimes people squirt and sometimes they don't. And sometimes people ejaculate and sometimes they don't. And sometimes people shake and sometimes they don't. Everybody's orgasm looks different and sounds different. And that's totally normal. If your orgasm doesn't look like how it looks in porn, that's okay. Porn, I reference porn so often on the podcast because I do think porn can be used in this healthy way, especially ethical porn um, for, you know, referencing something new you might want to try or for integrating it into sex with a partner or partners. I think that there are healthy ways to incorporate porn or to use it as a tool. But I think getting all of your information and all of your sex ed from porn is unhealthy. And I think especially when it comes to comparing what sex looks like uh, for other people and then thinking you're doing something wrong because it's not the way it looks like when you do it. Back to orgasms. For people with vaginas, uh, orgasms almost always involve the clitoris. The clitoris is a real thing. It exists. It's very important for sex for most people with vaginas. Um, Sometimes it involves the inner thighs. Sometimes it involves nipples or other sensitive areas. Some women can come from penetration alone, but not all. I think only about 18% can. Um, So oftentimes making sure you're having conversations with your partner about what gets them off or what's pleasurable to them is really important because it might not be what you think it is and it might not be what it's been historically with past partners and it might not be what it's been you know what you've seen in porn and that's okay good sex is really physically based on two things knowing what you like and knowing what your partner likes and if you can figure it out for yourself and then communicate about it you're set really because if you've taken the time whether like I said through porn or through just exploring your own body alone through masturbation and you know, having open conversations and open sexual experiences and figuring out what you like, you can communicate that to your partner and then they can do those things for you and they can make it more pleasurable. And if you can also be open to receiving, you know, information from a partner that maybe you haven't gotten before, like maybe you've dated somebody who can literally orgasm from just nipple play. That's amazing. I've known women like that. That's sick. I also sometimes don't like my nipples touched at all. They're very, very sensitive. I have extremely sensitive nipples and that's okay too. I also think on that note of like pleasure and orgasms, it's important for me to say that good sex does not always require an orgasm. I think oftentimes it does and I think it's totally normal, but I also think it's normal to not. And I think that if you have one, it's amazing, but that We're taught that sex is a sentence and that an orgasm is the very, very necessary period. And that's totally not true. There are going to be nights when you have good sex, but maybe you just can't orgasm that night for whatever reason. There are so many that it could be that I can't even kind of get into it. But it's totally normal to have good, happy, pleasurable experiences that don't always end in an orgasm. Um, I also think going into sex with the idea that there's a goal in mind, goal-oriented sex where the goal isn't just pleasure and safety and fun for everyone where the goal is looking really sexy or getting them to fall in love with you or having the best orgasm of your life is really unhealthy and it makes the situation honestly less fun. So going into sex with simply the goal of pleasure um, always makes things better, makes things less stressful. Lesson three, 
when sex does include penetration, I oftentimes get people asking, how do I do that? <laughs> and I'm not kidding. And I don't, I'm not laughing because it's a joke. I'm just laughing because I think a lot of times people don't know how to word it. Uh, but I think sometimes people just like want to know how to be good at penetrative sex and they don't really know how. And or they don't really know where to start. Or a lot of times the answer to that question is like, be confident, communicate, you know, ask your partner what they need. I've just said all that, which is so true. But I know that sometimes people need like very specific physical instructions and that's okay too. So we're going to talk a little bit about very specific physical tips for penetrative sex that might make it better. The first one, angling. Penetrative sex is not always just penis in vagina, in, out, in, out, in, out. 88% of recent study participants found that they achieved orgasm faster and they received more pleasure when their partner was rotating, lowering, lifting their hips, angling, having their hips and coming in from different angles, adjusting where inside the vagina the penis rubs, just going at it from different angles and not going, you know, in Some women call this jackrabbiting where you're kind of just like drilling at it, Um, going at it from different angles, moving your hips around, and then also being really aware of while you're moving your hips, what's working. And you'll know, obviously, by like sounds and faces, what is working for your partner. So kind of just like adjusting your hips and different angles and see what's kind of like causing the most pleasure. On that note, In that same study, 84% of women reported more pleasure when their hips were angled up. A lot of times in like cis hetero relationships, women find it really pleasurable when they're on their back with their hips up, whether that's just a pillow underneath or with the guy holding their hips up. That's honestly always a really good angle for me, not for everyone, but worth a try. Another big one was rocking. In the same study, uh, like three-fourths of participants found that they achieved orgasm faster or had more pleasure when their partner was rocking the base of the penis so that it was rubbing the clit and the other areas of the vagina. That always feels super good, kind of goes back to clitoris play, which is super important during sex. Another huge number of people reported um, that they really enjoyed shallowing, which is essentially just putting a little bit of your penis in, but not going all the way. Depth is not the end all be all of sex. There's this terrible media slash porn myth that you have to have this you know, giant penis to pleasure. And that's totally not true. I personally love shallowing um, just when kind of like the penis is just at the entry of the vagina. It's super sexy. It's super hot. It can even be used as like a teasing tool. Um, Definitely a good tip. The last one, low-hanging fruit, but maybe not for everyone, but I've talked about it a lot, so it's kind of obvious, pairing, which is penetrative sex paired with clitoral stimulation. Um, Most women I know really love this um, because most women I know can't come from penetrative sex, but that doesn't mean they don't like it. Like I said, just because you're not orgasming doesn't mean you're not experiencing pleasure. Um, So penetrative sex mixed with touching the clit, whether that's, you know, in doggy style with the reach around or in missionary, always a good tip. Now let's talk about some oral sex tips. Also, there, I've talked about this a lot, there's no one size fits all recipe for any kind of sex. Pleasure, sex, orgasms, it's all unique to each person. So the things I'm saying a lot are more, you know, based on studies where there was a big majority or what's common. And I think it's a really good starting point. But I also think it's okay if you meet somebody and they're like, actually, no, I don't like that. I like this instead. And it's something totally different. At the end of the day, I know I'm constantly saying it, but it is really all about communication. Now, 
oral sex tips. In general, the tip is usually the most sensitive part of a penis. It has the most nerve endings. Same goes for the clitoris. It's the pleasure center. I think a lot of times people see oral sex as an appetizer. Personally, I love it as a main course some nights. I think it's really fun to kind of just focus on foreplay and touching and mouths. And I don't think it all needs to happen every time. So seeing oral sex as something that might be all you do that night and really kind of focusing on it is super fun and honestly tees up great penetrative sex. But also if it ends there, that's amazing too. Uh, When it comes to oral sex, you know, dildos are also super common. Strap-ons, especially for different types of like lesbian couples, genderqueer couples, trans folks. It can be very sensual to watch um, or to use a strap on. And honestly, even for straight couples, I think oftentimes, you know, using incorporating toys in some way is always really fun and a fun way to kind of spice up foreplay or a night where maybe you're not going to have penetrative sex. Um, Ass play is huge Um, for a lot of people. It can be super fun. As I've talked about with the clitoris or the tip of the penis, there are tons of nerve endings in and around that area. It's absolutely considered a pleasure center for many people. And I just think it's full of potential. And I think it's full of a lot of untapped potential, to be honest. I'm a big fan of ass play myself. You're learning a lot about me on this episode. It's actually even possible to orgasm from analingus. Yes, that's true even without penetrative sex, just like rimming is huge. And even if you don't orgasm from it, a lot of people have found that adding in to like their sexual repertoire actually leads to stronger orgasms in other ways. Um, so try it out, you know, don't be afraid of the ass. If you're being hygienic and open and non-judgmental, it can be very, very fun to kind of mix in and rotate with the rest of the sexual things you're doing. Another big thing I want to talk about is letting go of distractions, letting go of vanity. I've talked about this on the show and I've had a big problem with this, not exactly with distractions, but definitely with vanity and with getting caught up in the idea of how I look during sex and how I sound and how my body looks and, you know, the faces I'm making and all of that. It's such a distraction. Um, I think... Looking at sex, casual or not, as something you should be totally focused on and really intentional with is so important and oftentimes, I would say, always leads to better sex. Um, Turning off the TV if the TV's on in the background. Um, Putting your phone's face down so you're not seeing it light up. Making sure no alarms are going to go off. Even putting it on do not disturb, whatever the case. Um, Just having a distraction-free environment is always really important. I also think that there's such an incredible aspect to being really present and mindful with sex and kind of even taking in aspects of like meditation into sex and just being really, really focused on your breathing, really, really focused on everything you're feeling and the moment and just trying to be as present as possible because, you know, sometimes it's hard. Your mind races no matter what you're doing. Um, But being present and being mindful and ridding yourself of distractions and vanity always makes for better sex. Um, You know, the way you look, the way you sound, your tummy, your ass, let that shit go. The experience is about feeling, not appearing. Unless obviously, you know, I don't know, you're dabbling in like voyeurism or mirror play, but you know what I mean. For the most part, letting go of how you look or how you're being perceived and really, really, really just focusing on focusing on pleasure is a big, big, big one for me. Another one, a little less fun uh, than the other ones we've been talking about, but super important. And uh, again, this is probably low-hanging fruit for a lot of people, but for those of you that don't know, after sex, pee. 
pee immediately after sex. It is not a myth. Peeing after sex flushes out bacteria, lowers your chance of getting a UTI. Very important to pee after sex, both men and women. All genders pee after sex. Uh, Another lesser known aspect, I think, especially of like more hetero vanilla sex that I talk about a lot on the show is aftercare. Aftercare is basically the caretaking that's done after sex. And I think a lot of people don't know about it because it's most commonly used in BDSM after a scene or after after a particularly intense sexual situation. Because a lot of times, you know, it's important to check in on your partner emotionally and physically, especially when you're, you know, playing with pain and things like that. But in my opinion, aftercare should be practiced in all forms of sex, um, vanilla, kinky, hetero, queer, casual, long-term relationships. Aftercare is so important. Um, I just think it's important to check in after sex because no matter what kind of sex you're having, it's usually intense. It's usually emotional. In my opinion, it really just rounds out the experience. Like I said, even in a casual situation, um, I think it's really important mentally to kind of just check in. How was that for you? You know, what did you like? Um, What was your favorite part? Do you need water? Do you need to hydrate? Do you need a snack? Um, Cuddling, going for a walk, having just a regular chat. I think those things are really important to just round out a really good sexual experience. And um, yeah, the best sex I have ever had is sex that involved aftercare afterwards. So I think at the end of the day, the simple truth is that you do learn sex. Um, People are not born sexual studs. And sex and pleasure are so unique and they're ever-changing in ourselves. And the things that I liked or I thought I liked five years ago are different now. And the things that I, you know, thought I knew about sex, I have changed. And my openness has changed and my idea of what pleasure means and, you know, the importance of it has changed as it probably will continue to. And I think there's nothing wrong with kind of going back to basics and kind of checking in with yourself, checking in with your partner, What do I like? You know, am I still fully sexually satisfied? Does something need to change? What can I do to make this, you know, the most pleasurable experience for myself and my partner or my future partners or whatever the case? Um, It's okay to constantly be studying and learning. Um, It's not a life requirement. It's not a relationship prerequisite, um, but it is fun and, you know, it builds confidence and pleasure within ourselves, pleasure with our intimate partners. And yeah, so that's why I thought it was important to do this episode. I just really felt like I often get questions that feel like anybody as an adult should know the answer to when in reality, it's not the case. And that was maybe even coming from a place of being a little bit judgmental and being like, well, I know this, so shouldn't everyone. That's not the case at all. In fact, I look back at you know, not that long ago before I was a sex educator and the way that I sort of handled certain communication around sex. And even before that, you know, I didn't get great substantial sex education. I went to Catholic school. And I think a lot of times people, they never really get a chance to learn these things. And so I want to cultivate a space that feels really safe and that feels like if you want an episode on the intimate details of dungeons and kink and dominatrixes you can find that and if you want an episode strictly on emotions and you know relationships and love you can find that and if you just need a refresh and a check-in and a sex 101 episode here it is so that was kind of the motivation for this episode felt like the kind of episode I could kind of handle on my own. Um, I really hope that this was helpful for people. I'm sure that I could do a part two to this and probably will because like I said, sex is ever-changing and there's a lot to know. And 
there's a reason why, you know, sex ed is something you take usually every year, all four years of high school, because there are a lot of things to teach. So I'm sure I could do a part two to this episode with some other things uh, that might be helpful for someone. If you can think of any of those things, feel free to let me know on Instagram or Twitter or in the comments on YouTube if uh, there's something I missed that you think is imperative and I'll do a uh, Sex 101 part two. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave it a good review. It really helps me out. Leave this a like, share it with your friends and I will talk to you guys later. Okay, bye. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.